Hey brothers and sisters, so I wanted to make a video about this drawing that my daughter did at school. So I was cleaning out her folder, her school folder. Every Tuesday, her teacher sends home all of their work and I happened to turn this over and see this. And I was just blown away because immediately I recognized that it was a marriage. And I also noticed the mountain and the huppa above the bride and groom. Also, the groom is holding a shepherd's staff. And it looks like this is a ring in between them. And they're both saying yes. And it looks like a heart. I know some people had mentioned that it kind of looks like a dove in the picture. And then, of course, they're on top of a mountain. These are arrows on each side showing that they're going up the mountain. And I find it interesting that over here, it looks like she drew a groom who looks to be wearing a crown and definitely has a shepherd's staff. It looks like he's leaving his home. And then over here, same thing with the bride. It looks like, it almost looks like a tent. And it makes me think of how these earthly dwellings are like a tent and they're not our eternal home. And she also looks like she may have been erased or she attempted to erase her, but she also went up this mountain. And I did not pick this out when I first saw the picture and uploaded it on YouTube, but lots of brothers and sisters mentioned that this mountain and the lines that are drawn represent the narrow way. And what is behind this, it's really interesting. I don't know if it's a house or what this seems to, what this is right here, um, representing maybe heaven or heavenly eternal home. And of course the Huppa, which I'm going to include some more information about that and Jewish wedding traditions. I just thought this was amazing. There is so much symbolism here with the Jewish wedding, um, the mountain being Mount Zion. So I wanted to include some just information, things that I researched, confirmations after seeing this picture. I also wanted to bring up that a few subscribers also mentioned that it kind of looks like Noah's Ark. and almost like a door um, leading up to Noah's Ark as well because of the animals. It looks like these might be animals on each side of the bride and groom. So I thought that was a really interesting observation too. And just last night, my six-year-old daughter and I were doing a little devotion on Noah's Ark. And then this person commented that it looked like Noah's Ark this morning after we had done that study last night. After I saw that picture that my daughter drew in her folder, I wanted to quickly upload it so you guys could see it, but I didn't have a lot of time to really spend because I was trying to get ready for my Bible study. So I briefly looked at it and knew that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and wanted to upload it so that you guys could check out what she drew. My daughter knows about the rapture of the church, but I've never referred to it really as a wedding and the mountains or any of that. So all of that was from the Lord, just all of that together. And it seems to me 
as if she had some kind of vision or inspiration from the Holy Spirit to draw that. And it's so beautiful. And so I go to my Bible study and I kind of forget it for, about it for a little bit just because just trying to get there and get organized. And when we get there, we're putting tables together and trying to set up for it. And I'm talking to one of the girls about the Bible study and we're talking about the armor of God in Ephesians. And we were just talking about what we were going to discuss with the ladies. And I was telling her about how I really wanted to share something that the Lord had spoken to me a while back about that where Jesus told Peter, because Peter wanted Jesus to clean his whole body, Jesus said, all I have to do is clean your feet and your whole body is clean, but not all of you. And this was a representation of faith, the gospel. Uh, Jesus cleaned his feet and by faith he was already cleaned. And this was a foreshadowing of the imputed righteousness we receive by faith when we trust in Jesus Christ. We are justified immediately when we put our faith in Jesus and we are born again. I also told her about a dream that I had a while back and I made a video. It's on YouTube. But basically, I was going through a lot of fear at the time and I was really worried and anxious about the things that were happening around the world. And the Lord gave me a dream, and in the dream I was taken to like a concentration camp. And as I'm going into my cell, I see this bucket of milk hanging over the cell wall. And I hear in my spirit in the dream to walk to the milk and lower it down and step into the bucket of milk and I would be renewed and restored. And so I did, I stepped into inside the bucket with my feet. And as soon as my feet hit the milk, I was instantly restored and full of peace and full of joy. And then I woke up at first. I didn't realize that that dream was from the Lord. It just seemed kind of weird and strange. And so I started praying over it. And as soon as I prayed over it, the scriptures just came to me. And the Lord gave me the interpretation right away, immediately. That doesn't always happen, but this time it did. And the scripture of feet being fitted with the gospel of peace came to me, as well as the scripture about the gospel being the milk. So I was telling them that testimony and that story. And as soon as I got done talking to her about that and telling her that, she said, wow, you know what's crazy? In Indian traditions, prior to a wedding, when they get married, they have this cleansing ceremony where they are cleansed with milk. They take like a milk bath. And so I'm like already making the connection with putting my feet in the milk and cleansing and restoration and the gospel and the wedding, right? We're the bride of Christ. So I'm already making that connection as she's talking. And then she goes on to say, and also in Jewish wedding traditions, the bride and the groom fast leading up to their wedding and they do a fast together. And as soon as she said Jewish wedding tradition, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me that that was confirmation of what my daughter drew, that it was from him. 
out of nowhere, this woman in my Bible study starts talking about a Jewish wedding tradition. And the Lord reminds me of her picture and all the symbolism in her picture. And immediately I'm just overwhelmed and overjoyed. And so I show them the picture that my daughter drew and they thought it was pretty amazing. I believe the wedding is so soon. The Lord is just pouring out these dreams and visions to encourage the body of Christ that the wedding supper of the Lamb is so close. So while I went to my Bible study, and I was at my Bible study for like four hours, my husband took my daughter's next door to the neighbor's house, and my neighbor had these tattoos laying around, and my three-year-old got one and put it on. She knows how to apply these things by herself. So I did not even get to see them. When I got back from my Bible study, it was like 1130 at night. So my husband had already put them to bed. But this morning I woke up and I went to wake up my three-year-old and I noticed she has this on her arm. And again, it's mountains. And then it looks like the sea underneath. And I know many brothers and sisters mentioned that it looks like the sea below, the way that it's wavy. It almost looks like the ocean. This tattoo was just further confirmation of this drawing, just in line with what the lady at my Bible study said about Jewish weddings out of nowhere and this picture that my daughter drew and some dreams that I have had in the past. It's amazing how many comments I have gotten from brothers and sisters who have said that they have had, they have seen something similar in their dreams or visions that my daughter drew. And I myself had a dream a while back where I was at an airport waiting to go see two friends and one of the friends, their name means mountain, and the other friend's name means who is like God and gift from God. And I initially was having some trouble retrieving my bags at the airport, but an attendant showed me the correct gate where I could retrieve them. And this gate reminded me that Jesus is the narrow gate. He's the only way. And this dream reminded me that our departure is soon. And of course, the name meaning mountain, and that was our destination, was to this mountain. The Lord had already put this scripture on my heart in my last video about the bridegroom being as the sun coming out of his chamber. And when I was making that video, he had put Joel 2 on my heart, and I even included this section in that video. Well, this whole thing about the Jewish wedding and the fasting leading up to the wedding reminded me of this scripture. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber, and the bride from her dressing room. That reminds me of the picture that my daughter drew. On one side was the groom coming out of 
what looked like a chamber and on the other side was the bride coming out of what looked like some kind of tent. So I wanted to go over some of these Jewish wedding traditions and rituals and um, talk about how they connect to the rapture of the church and our bridegroom coming to receive his bride. So the first tradition is called Afraf, and it's Yiddish. It's a Yiddish term that means to call up. Prior to the wedding ceremony, the bride and groom are called to the Torah for a blessing called an Aliyah. After the Aliyah, the rabbi will offer a blessing called Mishabarak. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but at that time, it is customary for members of the congregation to throw candies at the couple to wish them a sweet life together. And number two is fasting. The wedding day is considered a day of forgiveness. And as such, some couples choose to fast the day of their wedding, just as they would on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. The couple's fast will last until their first meal together after the wedding ceremony. And I'm going to skip to number six. It says, vows under the... Huppa. A huppa has four corners and a covered roof to symbolize the new home the bride and groom are building together. In some ceremonies, the four posts of the huppa are held up by friends or family members throughout the ceremony, supporting the life the couple is building together. This huppa is seen in my daughter's drawing, and it also reminds me of how the church is promised to become pillars in the temple of God in the book of Revelation. It kind of reminds me of how these friends and family members are sometimes the ones holding up this structure. And this huppa being a representation of building a new home together, it reminds me of our heavenly home. And in her picture, it looked like behind the huppa was either some kind of home or structure or even an ark. And I definitely believe it's a representation of our soon departure to our heavenly home, the place Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And of course, there's the ring exchange. Traditionally, Jewish brides get married in a wedding band that is made of metal, gold, silver, or platinum with no stones. In ancient times, the ring was considered the object of value or the purchase price of the bride. The only way they could determine the value of the ring was through weight, which would be altered should there be stones in the ring. In some traditions, the rings are placed on the left forefinger because the vein from your forefinger goes right to your heart. And we know that Jesus Christ paid the price for the bride when he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Here it talks about the seven blessings that are given over a cup of wine. This reminds me when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room, and he said that he would not drink from the vine until he drinks again in his father's house with them. When we are raptured and we enter into the house that he has prepared for us we will enjoy that cup of wine with jesus and it will be seven years of blessing of joy of peace while there are seven years of destruction on the earth and this one is huge it's a tradition called the breaking of the glass 
As the ceremony comes to an end, the groom, or in some instances the bride and groom, is invited to step on a glass inside a cloth bag to shatter it. The breaking of the glass holds multiple meanings. Some say it represents the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Others say it demonstrates that marriage holds sorrow as well as joy and is a representation of the commitment to stand by one another even in hard times. The cloth holding the shards of glass is collected after the ceremony and many couples choose to have it incorporated into some sort of memento of their wedding day. How amazing is this that it represents the destruction of the temple and when Jesus was talking about the coming destruction of the temple, he also began to talk about the end of the age and the coming tribulation period. I believe these two things are connected and it represents Daniel's 70th week. We know that when we are taken up to the marriage supper of the Lamb and our bridegroom comes for his bride at the rapture of the church, those who are left behind will experience utter destruction after the church is removed from this earth. So next there's the Hora, and this is a celebratory dance at the reception where guests dance in a circle and the bride and groom are seated on chairs and lifted into the air while holding onto a handkerchief or cloth napkin. This is amazing to me. And for so many reasons. So first of all, it reminds me of all the, the videos of the animals that we've seen that are just going around in circles. I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but that's what it reminded me of. But most importantly, the bride and the groom are lifted up. And that reminds me, of course, of the rapture of the church. But then also this handkerchief, it reminds me of in the tomb when Jesus rose again and he folded the napkin, he folded the handkerchief, which was indicative of him coming back again, that he is not finished. So in Hebrew tradition, the folded napkin had to do with a master and his servant. And the servant would set the dinner table for the master, and he made sure it was exactly the way the master wanted it. The table was furnished perfectly, and then the servant would wait just out of sight until the master had finished eating. The servant would not dare touch the table until the master was finished. Now, if the master was finished eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers and mouth, clean his beard, and wad up the napkin and toss it onto the table. The servant would then know to clear the table, for in those days the wadded napkin meant, I'm finished. But if the master got up from the table, folded his napkin, and laid it beside his plate, the Just servant would not dare touch the Jesus table, because the folded napkin coming meant, I'm coming for back in the rapture of the church. And I did a video regarding the typology of a Jewish wedding that I highly recommend and I will leave in the description box and just how it mirrors the rapture of the church and the following seven-year tribulation period. So regarding this mountain being Mount Zion, 
In Psalm 87, 2 through 3, it says, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said of you, city of God. Zion is synonymous with city of God, and it is a place that God loves. The word Zion occurs over 150 times in the Bible, and it essentially means fortification and has the idea of being raised up as a monument. Zion is described both as the city of David and the city of God. Here in Jeremiah 31, 6, it says, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. And we, brothers and sisters, are waiting to go up to heavenly Zion. In Hebrews 12, 22, it says, We have not come to Mount Sinai, says the apostle, but to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Peter quotes Isaiah 28, 16 and refers to Jesus as the cornerstone of Zion. It says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In Isaiah 52, 1, it says, Awake, awake, clothe yourself in your strength, O Zion, clothe yourself in your beautiful garments. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you, and the children of your oppressors will come bowing before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And regarding Mount Zion in the book of Revelation, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful." And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 